Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 112 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yashbika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And if you're watching the video version of this podcast, you may have noticed that Tyler and I, for the first time in Premiere Pod history, are actually rocking the same jersey. It is a Middlesbrough one, um, Adidas right there on the uh, on the jersey. So it's actually pretty funny. I Before we recorded, I had the jersey on, and Tyler had another jersey on, and he was just like, hold up, we got to... We got to change. I got to change. We got to make a quick, quick change on this one. And then we uh, ended up rocking the same jersey. It's kind of funny because we both support different teams, but this is like a randomness how we both end up with the same jersey on this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll it's uh, sponsored by Middlesbrough for this episode, but yes, nope. <laughs> <laughs> we just have no jersey. Yeah, just uh, just big fans of Middlesbrough, obviously. But um, no, funny, just funny story how we uh, ended up rocking the same jersey, but. Um, pretty pretty exciting episode. We have uh, some of the recap of the Premier League action going on, some of the big storylines. But um, the first one that we have to bring up is the biggest game of the weekend was Arsenal versus Liverpool. Tyler wasn't too confident in his own Liverpool squad. If you met, if you remember from last week, actually predicted I think a defeat. Yes. Yeah. I I said Liverpool would win um, in a high scoring affair, but this one. Even though it was high scoring, it wasn't high scoring by both teams. Liverpool ended up beating Arsenal 3-0. Um, all goals coming in the second half. Um, Diego Jota scoring a brace. And then I think Mo Salah, right, pitched in with one goal. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was a 3-0 win, uh, win for Liverpool. But another clean sheet in the Premier League for Liverpool. And now, I'll just put this out there. I know today we're recording this on a Tuesday. They obviously lost 3-1 to Real Madrid in the Champions League. But in the Premier League... They have picked up some for- form and some momentum. And now top four, I know right now they're in seventh place, but top four, uh, with all the other teams kind of struggling above them, top four kind of looks like a real possibility. I don't know how, how you feel about that, Tyler. I mean, I was going into the weekend with slight pessimism and optimism because <laughs> I was optimistic that we finally had the Premier League back. It just felt like so long yeah. after finally having a week break which is something that we haven't had for like months now because like there wasn't an international break for a while and there wasn't any qualifier matches. But going back into this week, I was thinking, I mean, it could be a restart for Liverpool, you know, just to have some rest and then maybe go back into the Premier League with some new momentum or like just ending that losing streak momentum. And for Arsenal, they kind of went into this break with some momentum. So I was a little scared if they're going to carry over. But nope, they came back from the break there was no momentum to be same brought back. Arsenal. It was same Arsenal that kind of struggles against teams that are kind of like quick paced. And Aubameyang, for some reason, was just playing left back the whole game. <laughs> like Kieran Tierney, although he got injured midway in the game, he was playing more forward than Aubameyang was for the time he was there. And that was really confusing for me. I know Trent Alexander-Arnold would push Aubameyang back, but even then, like, you got to have a bombing up there to like make some kind of damage. It's just he, he had the new dreadlocks kind of look and like it wasn't working. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I saw the haircut too. I, I was like, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty decent style from Obama Yang. But dang, that is a, not a good look for your striker or your main attacking <laughs> threat to be playing left back the entire I mean, game. there was Lacazette and he's been in decent form in the past couple of games. But I, I expected more from this Arsenal side. I have, I don't know. I, if you look and listen back to the recent, not even recent, but just like previous podcasts, I always have like this weird soft spot for Arsenal, maybe because I have like Arsenal fan friends 
that just kind of complain to me a lot <laughs> and I just kind of sympathize and empathize with them. And then it kind of like gets into my head, but I don't know. I always thought that this Arsenal side would do a little better. I think it, they would have, if they had uh Sokka and then, uh, you know, Smith Rowe as well, but they didn't play either. And, you know, Liverpool going into this with knowing Chelsea lost in the morning too. I think that also gave them a slight boost to be like, Hey, maybe there's a chance. Because yeah. now they're only two points behind and, you know, they are sitting in seventh and it's really tight right now for that last fourth place spot. Mm-hmm. But I think this could be some good momentum because, you know, Kabak and Daniel Phillips playing center back once again, got the clean sheet against a pretty good Arsenal side. And I mean, this momentum, although it didn't carry over into the Champions League, maybe it'll just stick through with the Premier League for the upcoming weekend because, you know, Liverpool faces Aston Villa this weekend, which is a team that's also out of form. They dropped from and being in that European Cup competition spot to now going to mid-table. <laughs> at one point, they're like, we're, we're debating, it's like, could they make Europa League? And now at this point, it's like, uh, I think they're sitting tight in mid-table without Jack Grealish. So I think that's just where they're going to end up. But I mean, it's looking promising for Liverpool. I'm not going to say they're going to hit top four yet because that still means that they have to do better than West Ham, Chelsea, and Tottenham. I think they can do better than Tottenham, but (laughs) West Ham and Chelsea right now, I still don't know. Unless Leicester kind of poops the bed and drops out of that top four race too, which they did last season. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not out of the realms of possibility, but I still think it's going to be a a big stretch for them to get into top four. There's a slight hope, but it's just... Still it, a stretch. It definitely made it very interesting that literally every team above them besides Manchester United dropped points. Leicester dropped points. Tottenham dropped points. Chelsea dropped points. So it was a perfect opportunity for mm-hmm. Liverpool. And they took advantage of it by winning this game. So now it kind of puts top four, uh, the top four question into uh, an actual scenario because it seemed like for a little bit that they were completely out of it. But now they got to they gotta fight it like a puncher's chance. But... Um, what was also interesting that came out of this, I guess, before this game happened was for the England qualifiers, um, a couple of big name right backs in the Premier League were omitted from the squad. And um, they are reports and maybe talks from the media that these two could potentially just be out of the conversation in general for the Euro 2021. And we were talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold for Liverpool, the right back, and Aaron Wan-Bissaka for Manchester United, the right back. Aaron Wan-Bissaka makes, I guess, a little bit more sense because he's been in and out of the England lineup for this whole year. Hasn't been a very consistent mainstay, but um, to leave Trent Alexander-Arnold out, if you were to talk to someone last season, would be absolutely insane. Like, you would be insane to leave him out. But as we have saw with all Liverpool players this season, besides Diego Jota, everyone's just kind of been in and out of form. And it may cost um, a chance for Euros for Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I can see that, why Garrett Southgate would want to do that, because... If we're being totally honest, this season we've kind of seen that Alexander-Arnold, he's been caught out a couple of times defensively in some major games um, where his main asset as a right back is him going forward. Like when he gets to push forward and the team is, you know, going forward and he has that cover behind him, he's a very, very good right back because he can deliver probably one of the best crosses. He's like definitely one of the best crossers of the ball like we've seen in recent times. But when he has to do 1v1 defending, that's sometimes where he can kind of struggle. And it's funny because Aaron Wambasaka, if you were to ask him, his biggest strength is 1v1 defending, but his biggest weakness is going forward and attacking. So it's almost like we have two polar opposite right backs that if they were to combine, you would have the 
ultimate right back. And we're seeing Garrett Southgate kind of go in the middle where he's taking players like Reese James, Kyle Walker, and Karen Trippier, Karen Trippier to be his right backs because they offer a little bit more balance than those two. But Tyler, it must be it must be sad to see uh TAA to get uh kind of omitted or possibly get omitted from the Euro squad like this. I don't understand how Reese James yeah. of all I would pick Reese James or I'd put him below Aaron Wamasaka and Trent. Like mm. he's a versatile player. Like on paper, like you can move him potentially like center back or like CDM. But I mean, in theory, you could do that for Trent too. Like a lot of people recently have been kind of criticizing Trent's right back defending abilities. Yeah. There have been a lot of sloppy goals coming through his side from crosses, from just him getting beat one on one. And I mean, even today against Real Madrid, like Vinicius Jr. just made him look like a fool to the point where like Trent just got so frustrated and just snapped and got a yellow card at one point but i mean this is something that you can just develop over time like that defensive mindset the defensive ability i think that's something you can develop while his playmaking and creative abilities they're like on par at times with kevin de bruyne and that's something you can't get out of reese james or you know even a kieran trippier or kyle walker like although i would say kieran trippier and kyle walker are better defenders i still think that versatility you get from just the whole right side from Trent Alexander-Arnold is something that, you know, England will really miss if they mm-hmm. don't bring him in. This is my, this is my two cents and my, uh, you know, my advocation to bring Trent to the Euros. But, yeah. you know, I don't know if Gareth Southgate's listening. <laughs> but, I mean, it's to me, that's just insane to not have Trent. Because, yeah. as you said, a year ago, if you'd have left him out, that's insane. And even today, I still feel like he's still better than Reese James. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of hype has been coming around Reese James. And I I do agree with Tyler. Like I think Reese James is a pretty solid player from what I've seen, all the Chelsea games I've watched. He does provide he's he, it's a weird thing. He's kind of a, a mixture of Trent Alexander Arnold and Aaron Juan Basaka, where I think he's a he's not the greatest defender, but he's also not like the greatest attacking fullback. Like he's a good balance. I guess per mm-hmm. se of the two. But I, I do agree with you that you know, taking Reese James, I feel like you're kind of you're you're kind of taking not the best of both worlds. You're kind of getting like a the like worst a of both. <laughs> yeah, so almost, almost, almost like that. And uh, you know, we've seen Gareth Southgate um, during the World Cup that he played a back three most of the time. And like you said, if they're playing a back three, he usually liked to play Kyle Walker as one of the uh, as one of the um, center, center backs, back. and then have Trippier or Trent Alexander Arnold could possibly be one of the wing backs. But um, if he's going for a back four, there's been reports that he's trying to maybe go for a back four instead of a back three. Then I could see maybe why he wants a little bit more stability. But I still think you would have to take um, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think it'd be um, a little bit. I wouldn't say it would be the worst decision in the world, but I, I it would be it would raise a lot of question marks. I would say because even let's say for example, if worst comes to worst. Trent Alexander-Arnold could even play as an auxiliary forward in terms of just like whipping in crosses and stuff like that. Um, Because we've seen that he has a very talented um, cross. He's a very talented player going forward. So I still think it would be kind of crazy not to include him. I would personally include him if I was Garrett Southgate um, because I, even though he does have his defensive mishaps, I still think the quality you get from him going forward is kind of unmatched from the rest of the England squad in terms of that right right back position. It's kind of, you can't really replicate it, if I were to say it. Mm-hmm. And not only that, Trent has recently won trophies. 
Yeah. He has that winning mentality. He's been on a championship team. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you're going to get out of Reese James. So, <laughs> I mean, like that kind of winner's mentality is something you don't really get. And Trent has also showed up for big games. Like, you know, sure, he's kind of let the team down at times and like the kind of smaller oppositions. But like when the going asks for him, it's he kind of he pops up. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Paul Pogba for Man U. It's like when you kind of need him, like he'll show up. Yeah. And sometimes in like the smaller games, he'd be like, ah, I'm off. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, it just boggles my mind because if England don't do well in the Euros without Trent, there a lot of people are going to be pointing at this it's like, hey, you could have had him. And I yeah. mean, we still don't know if they're if he's going to be completely left out. Maybe just one of those times where they're he's just testing the waters to see who else could be, you know, part of the squad. And yeah. maybe he just marks Trent as like a for sure. But I don't know. I feel like this is more the other side where it's just like he's kind of considering not bringing him. Yeah. So. No, I uh, I I agree with you. I think it. Um, I think it would be just. I I think it would be really crazy. And for Trent, I mean, I guess. Talking about Aaron Wan-Bissaka, there has been talks about him potentially switching nationalities to the, I think it was the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo, um, to supporting that, to representing that nation in the international stage. Because um, I guess throughout this whole season and even last season, uh, Garrett Southgate hasn't picked him that much because of his lack of ability going forward. And if I was Aaron Wambasaka, he's a young international who needs to play. Playing in these international games provides you a lot of experience. And if he's not getting that in England, I, I definitely think he should definitely consider moving nations because um, just with the plethora of right back talents that England has, if Gareth Southgate is still favoring players like Reese James over him, I feel like it's going to be really hard for Wambasaka to break into the uh, the England um England national call up. But I, I think that brings up a bigger question real quickly. Um, we've seen some England internationals switch over to different nations because of the lack of availability of being picked as a, uh, rep- to be able to represent England. So we saw Mikel Antonio switch over to Jamaica. I think Nathan Redmond switch over to the Jamaican national team. Um, there's def- saw Zaha switch to Ivory Coast. Yes. I think Ryan Sesson Young too um, is representing. I think he has switched over too, but what we're, I guess like the overall conversation is we're seeing a lot more players kind of taking the leap of faith and just supporting and like representing other nations for their international play because they have a better chance of getting picked, but also they, um, they can more consistently get picked for the national team. And I, I, I would say I definitely support it because if you're not getting, um, picked for your current national team that you're on right now, I think you should definitely be able to change because, um, every player deserves and needs, um, a chance to be represented in the national spotlight like that. Mm-hmm. It really it kind of would depend, though, because I know you said Erwan Masaka is going to go to Dominican Republic of the Congo. <laughs> He'd instantly be like the best player there. And I, I mean, that'd be really cool. And it's pretty I mean, everyone's a little different kind of representing which country that you would you know, go for. I guess in like my certain case, it'd be like USA. Or then if I didn't get USA, it'd be like Hong Kong. But literally Hong Kong is like. What is it in the ranked in the FIFA? Like, I have no nations? idea. <laughs> Probably like near the 200s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's such a small one. So like, I don't know. It kind of depends for me. I don't know. Just kind of sit out. Because <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have to literally fly to Asia and then kind of go over there. It's like, uh, so I don't yeah. know. Everyone has like their own opinions for it. But I mean, for Zaha, I mean, I, I haven't really heard any news around him since his switch to ivory coast yeah and i feel like maybe no news is good news yeah so 
And I know I mean, for um, I know Scott McTominay. Um, a couple years back, he had an option of either representing Scotland or England, and he ended up choosing Scotland. Um, and I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, why didn't you pick England for the competition and stuff?" But I guess he just saw that um, he would have more of a chance to represent national. Like, obviously, there's other factors that go. It's not just about playing the game; it's about which country you actually want to represent. So, there's other factors that go to it, but. I think I, I, I've definitely seen a lot more players, you know, kind of switch nations and such. Like we're seeing with the U.S., like Yunus Musa, Musa and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And Sergio Dest, like picking like U.S. over the Netherlands and such. So it's something that's um, starting to become more of a common thing, I feel like. Um, and, you know, players are starting to have a little bit more power. But I guess like the biggest biggest thing is just I am definitely in for the player movement. You got to go where you want to play. You got to go where um, you're going to get the most opportunities or the best ones. So... I um uh, I'm all in favor for that, but um oh I just realized something yeah US will make it into the the 2026 World Cup oh they because will? we're hosting <laughs> oh wait is that like we'll an automatic host, bid yeah hosts always get in oh nice so, I didn't know that so like we can't we can't poo- like, we can't like uh can't soil it they can't yeah, bottle can't the qualification <laughs> oh that's genius yeah. maybe that's why they're coming to the US ah <laughs> big brain yeah big brain they're for sure right gonna there. make it in. But uh, I guess general question, yeah, that was just the uh, overall answer there. But it was a dominant, not dominant display from Liverpool, but Liverpool ended up getting the big uh, big win against Arsenal 3-0. Um, I wanted to switch it over to the Manchester United-Brighton game where United came back to beat Brighton 2-1. This game, like many others this season, was definitely showcase why United really need to prioritize getting a CDM and a right winger this uh, this transfer window if possible because... They so badly need a defensive midfielder that can control the pace of game, pace of play, but also break up the attack and be like confident and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Confident and uh, talented enough to be able to pick yeah. out the passes and be like that maestro um, and like the like the calm presence in the middle. Um, like we see all the top teams in Europe have one, like Fabinho for Liverpool, Casemiro for Real Madrid, Busquets for a long time for Barcelona. Um, kind of like a commanding presence. Is yeah. Like, like what you're someone, going for. Yeah. Yeah. And like for Man City, it was Fernandinho for a while. And now, you know, they're trying to get Rodri to be that player, that type of player and such. But United desperately need that because they had that with Matic in his first season when he came to the club. But ever since then, you know, Matic has gotten older. His legs have kind of gone underneath him. And like now it's almost like his passing ability and his technical ability has kind of gone astray as well. And Fred and McTominay, I've said before, they're both unique midfielders where they both kind of, I guess, complement each other, but they both can't do the job on their own. It's, it's a really weird dynamic where they both can't handle the responsibility on their own. So... For me, it is a huge priority because I feel like once they get like that midfielder, it will allow like the center backs to calm down a little bit because now they have a trusted player right in front of them. It'll allow the midfielders to have more freedom to attack because now you have a trusted, solid defensive midfielder that isn't going to do like something crazy and like make some really stupid pass. So um, CDM for sure is like a high priority signing. And the right wing, like I said before, United have struggled on the right side of the uh, wide area for a long time and they just need someone consistent to be there. So for me, this uh, this game definitely showed how much how badly they need those two positions in going into this transfer window. Yeah, the right wing argument has been something ongoing. Yeah. I think it's... Mm, I mean, y'all just got Ama Diallo and <laughs> I, I mean, Dan James is just always going to be there for now, just the pace, but... <laughs> 
you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes over time. But I still think for CDM, at least McFred, like that combo right there. I still think that's something that can be developed. I feel like really, I, awesome I just don't. Self. I don't see it, man. I don't know if that's like coming as a Liverpool fan. You're just like, okay, like they're just bad. We yeah, just keep it. Yeah, <laughs> there's always gonna be a weakness. They'll never know. Exactly. But- you know what's funny? There, there was an interview Troy Deeney had. Um, he was talking about how they play against Manchester United, and he said they always they always targeted Fred because apparently he said that whenever Fred picks up the ball, he always has to take an, a one touch. He always has to take an extra touch and then look around and pass. And he said mm-hmm. he basically said that's a weakness because he can't play like a one touch ball. Like he can't just do like a one one touch pass. He always has to take the extra touch. And whenever it's basically whenever Fred got the ball, that's when they started to press Watford. So. <laughs> If you're already getting called out on like national radio, that's like a huge weakness. If you're like I mean, they like that weakness is so blatant that it's like this guy literally is the start of the, like the other team's press. Maybe it's just because I'm I'm more kind of lax watching menu whenever I watch, not as critical, but at least for <laughs> me, I I like McSauce because of just his physique. Like it's just very yeah, huge, rare to find like a six foot four just tank. <laughs> just like like McSauce and he's able to you know rip the shot every once in a while and also I feel like he does have that commanding presence like in that center defensive mid position but you know Fred is kind of like the smaller smaller dude kind of like the the worser version of like a mix in between like what Conte tries to do and like Kovacic yeah <laughs> it's like is a it- weird in between where it's just like when you go in between them it just it's just a worser player and that's Fred. But <laughs> Yeah, Fred is like a weird one. I um I've always like kind of supported Fred, but this season for sure has kind of shown when United have had like their most talented players around him like Bruno, Pogba, you can really start to see like how uh the deficiencies in Fred. I think last season he definitely made up for it because that team didn't have a ton of quality before Bruno came in. It was just, you know, Andreas Pereira, McTominay, and Fred. Fred really kind of just showed like, hey, he worked really hard and could win the ball back. But this season, you can really see like the deficiencies Fred had because he can't really shoot. He's a terrible, he can't really like, you know, shoot on goal. His passing is really erratic, I would say. There's definitely a lot of times where he'll just like spray the ball out to a fullback and it's like, either goes out of bounds or it's like way too far ahead of him that he can't do anything with it. Um, and he also has the problem where he's so left foot dominant. Like he cannot pass with his right foot at all. It's always got to be like, you know, everything's got to be on his left foot. Um, and he also has a problem of where he, I feel like he can't, I feel like he can see like the passes that he wants to make, but when he tries to make them, they just don't, they don't come off well. And for McTominay, <laughs> I feel like it's like the opposite where I feel like sometimes he doesn't really see the pass, but he can kind of perform the pass if he could see it. Cause he's definitely a pretty good long passer, but I feel like McTominay doesn't really have the vision to see that. Cause there's a lot of times where McTominay can kind of panic and um, either play it really safe and not really see like the more adventurous ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I've said this before. They're they're a weird combination because in a weird way they complement each other, but in a weird way they really mask a lot of the deficiencies. And that's why in the big games, Solskjaer has to play both of them because if you play one of them, like we're going to be caught out, like for sure. Mm. So it's, it's like weird. a yin and yang. Yeah, like they need each other. Yeah, it's literally they need each other. That's why they're called McFred. <laughs> McFred. And it's funny how you say like Fred, he pictures what he wants to pass and you just can't do it. <laughs> it's just like everyone in rec is like, oh yeah, I can whip that up for 90 from out here 40 yards out. Missed it. All right. I missed it by about 30 yards, but <laughs> it's like, 
It's, it's just a dreamer. But I don't know. Like Fred was, wasn't he like a 35 million pound buy? Yeah, he's pretty expensive. I think he was like up to like 45. 40? Yeah. So I mean, like, it was weird because Pep Guardiola wanted to sign him as well. And I'm just like. Yeah. He I, yoinked it from Man City. So yeah, I'm like, like there's got to be something. It, or maybe, maybe it was the best smoke screen ever. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's just like him. He had a he balled out at Shakhtar and then it's like, okay, like, all right, now it's time to scoop him up and get him. But yeah, it's weird because when Mourinho bought him, he didn't really play him that much. And then Solskjaer, it took him a while to like earn Solskjaer's trust. And now he plays, but I don't know. Like I, I've said before, they're a weird combination. And when Matic plays, usually Matic can provide the passing and the vision. But now it's almost like he has no pace anymore, which is true because he hasn't had pace in a long time. But now he has no pace, but also his passing and his vision has gotten worse, I would say, um, throughout his the classes. season. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> regressed. Like His passing ability has gotten worse. So it's... A deficiency that's very prominent in the United squad, and and because of that, I feel like that's why a lot of the fullbacks and the center backs have to take a lot of the um, the pressure because their CDM or their their midfielder right in front of them is not doing the proper job. So that's why I feel like it still needs to be um, top priority to get a get a world class CDM or a class up and coming class um, central midfielder in there. Well, if I know anything about Man U, is that. Every once in a while, they just go ham and buy someone big like Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> but I, I do have a question for you, Yush. Yeah, you don't have the rundown, but it's something I remember texting you during during this the beginning of the match. It was Dean Henderson. He got the start. Oh yeah, over De Gea, over the ten year man De Gea. And I'm like, is this the changing of the guard, or is this? You know, there's a lot of talks. It's like, all right, if Dean Henderson does well the rest of the season, then. It makes it a lot easier to say, we, you know, man, you can move off De Gea. I mean, even in this game, he kind of slapped one in. <laughs> yeah, it I was his best. But it was a weird one because uh, it was like a, um, it was a good reaction save, and then it just like luckily yeah. like went right back up to Welbeck who headed it in. But I will say this: um, since De-, De Gea left for the birth of his baby, um, Dean Henderson has started, and when De Gea came back, Dean Henderson started this game, and apparently. I don't know how truthful this report is, but last week or a couple of days ago, there was a report that De Gea was like pretty upset about not starting against Brighton um, um, in the game. And then Solskjaer, th- there was just a report that De Gea was kind of upset about not, not being able to start. But to be honest, um, I've always been a big David De Gea like advocate and, you know, friend, like in terms of supporter, I you know, even like at his worst times, you can go back to the podcast. Like I've definitely tried my best in terms of supporting him and, you know, just saying that, hey, like D- D- David Day is still a world-class keeper, just having a couple bad moments or a couple bad seasons. But um, it seems like Solskjaer, the way he's heading and the way they brought back Dean Henderson and the fact that Dean Henderson is a quality keeper that shouldn't just be riding the bench. I don't know. I feel like Dean Henderson might might get the bulk of the starts going forward for the rest of this season. And I potentially just wouldn't be surprised if United tried to sell David De Gea this summer because um, even though David De Gea has had a really strong and historical run at United, um, I, I just think Henderson is uh, probably the guy going forward. He's a younger keeper. He is uh, up and coming. And, you know, he can kind of be that United, that other great United keeper for years on years. And um, David De Gea, I feel like had that for a while, but then these past two seasons have just not done him a world of favor because he's definitely shown that he uh, has a mistake in him every now and again, which is so weird to say about David De Gea. 
Mm-hmm. I definitely remember these random mistakes just like patting into his own net or I remember in the World Cup. Yeah, the, the P-roller, I feel like. The P-roller. So like every once in a while he has those and then he's kind of seeing it now in like Ali's son, like those kind of things where, you know, back in the days, like that's a rarity. Like it's kind of like when you see Neuer make a mistake, it's like, oh, that doesn't happen. Yeah. That's kind of like with De Gea too. De Gea is also one of the more orthodox keepers though. Oh, yeah. He'd always be making saves with his feet, kind of like, you know, wreck keepers that just don't want to <laughs> use their hands. So he's definitely I mean, like it a- worked. Yeah, he he um and he I know for a lot of the saves he did make, I know a lot of goalkeepers are like, yeah, he uses like his his like non-dominant hand to make the save, which is so weird. Hmm. Like you said, it's hmm. just like very unorthodox way to make saves and such. It's also more lean than most other keepers too. Mm-hmm. This looks like my body type. I'm like, dang. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. He he just had a baby, so maybe mm-hmm. he can just take this opportunity. He's like, all right, I'm just gonna go home then. <laughs> just look after my kid. Yeah. I, I've always else. been the biggest David the Hef fan. I hope he stays, but like like I said before, it's just hard to keep two quality goalkeepers at a club and happy, you mm-hmm. know? Because Dean Henderson wants to start, David De Gea wants to start. Uh, how do you pick? It's it's a hard conundrum. I remember there's this quote, I forgot who I heard it from, but it's like like in football, like American football, it's like you can't have two good quarterbacks because then like one will just suck the life out of the room from the other. So yeah. it's like in this kind of scenario, it's like you see, like we talked about it too with Chelsea. It's like you can't have two keepers that are trying to start like Keppa and Mendy because then it just gets like messy. But I mean, in this case with Dean Henderson and De Gea, I don't think it's been as messy, but it's definitely taking a hit on De Gea's stock. Because now it's like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like he's worth as much now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when Keylor Navas was at Real Madrid with Courtois. And it's just like, oh, well, Keylor Navas isn't really as valuable anymore. Or was it? No, Casillas, not Courtois. But yeah, <laughs> it's like, ah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I, um, and even, I think Courtois was, I think they played a season together, right? Navas and Courtois, one season I think so. together. Um, I, I feel like that should be right. Yeah, but <laughs> I think it is. And then he got sold to PSG. But I agree with you. I think um, I want to see David De Gea stay, but I, he's on big wages. And I think um, United are probably like, if we could sell him, we can get rid of those wages. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think for now, it's definitely, if I were to make the case, I think it is Dean Henderson, Dean Hendo time for United goalkeeper for the rest of the season. But um I don't know. We'll see. Solskjaer has been known to kind of pull a rabbit out of the hat and just do something really random. So, Aaron, you never know. Um, you never know what might happen there. But, um, yeah, that was the uh, that was the Manchester United-Brighton game. And then moving on to the Chelsea-West Brom game, this game was wild because West Brom beat Chelsea 5-2. Um, insane game. Uh, uh, Thiago Silva got sent off. Christian Pulisic scored. Then, got, then went out with the indiscreet injury. And then for West Brom, there was... Um, is his name Callum Robinson? Not Callum Robinson. It's a uh, who? It is Robinson. But I yeah. his first wow, name. What is his first name? I can't forget his. First... Anyways, he had a right. lovely. <laughs> he, he had a couple lovely finishes against uh, against Mendy, Chelsea's keeper, and it was one of those off days for Chelsea, which is weird because under Thomas Tuchel, they've been very very strong defensively. So the fact that they leaked in five goals against a relegation um, downtrodden team was really mm-hmm. interesting. Really weird one. I mean. I feel like this is a one-off because I, like West Brom didn't really get into the game until Thiago Silva got sent off. And I feel like Thiago Silva should have been sent off for the first yellow card that he received. But mm-hmm. he just got a yellow card for that first incident. And then the second one, 
he tried to block a shot and then he in in process of blocking the shot with his feet he dove into the person taking the shot <laughs> and got the got the second yelling and got sent off so i think you know tuchel has always been playing this three in the back kind of formation and without uh having that extra center back in there it's been a little harder so having to switch formation and tactics mid game just kind of put chelsea in the runs and that's why I feel like West Brom were able to get into this. I don't really think West Brom is like a new leaf. It's like, oh, now they're going to start their relegation. This is definitely like, a one-off. <laughs> this is definitely a one-off. They had a lot of confidence after the third goal. Like, they're just doing some fancy <laughs> They, they had like straight-up FIFA momentum where it's just like, oh, I came back. So it's like, let me just do some really random stuff and see if it works. Yeah, this is someone who's like in D Division 8 who finally gets their one win out of like 10 games. Like, this is it. I, I don't <laughs> think Chelsea are like now going to go on like a run where they're just going to lose form. I think this is really just a one-off. I think they'll still stay in the hunt and like a strong candidate for the top four because this is as many goals they've conceded under two goal. I feel like in one game as they had like, yeah, the whole span. And this is also their first loss. Yeah. So it's crazy. And also on top of that, like Pulisic, he subbed himself off. (laughs) So Going into the second half, they were running out and Timo Werner was going to get subbed off for Mason Mount. And then once Pulisic got onto the field, he felt something, an undisclosed injury, and just you know turned around, looked at two goals, like, uh-uh. And then they brought Werner back out. Werner did get an assist, though, I will say, but the the assist he had, I felt like should have been a goal for him because he was right in front of goal, could have tapped it in, but then he had the lack of confidence after, you know, missing big in the Germany international game last week. It's North Macedonia. In North Macedonia and decided just to pass it to the Chelsea player who is escaping who scored the second goal. But yeah. Do you, do you think was, he's uh do you think he's flop of the season signing flop signing of no, the season? I still think he's doing like he's not living up to the hype and the price Chelsea paid for him, but he's still their top assister on the team which is a little insane to say and he does still bring a different dynamic to the team I pace. like he's still playing like he's pace <laughs> and <laughs> he is pace and also he's playing like he's yeah. not like he's benched or anything like Kai unfortunately Kai Havertz yeah but, what's up with all the uh, like Donny van de Beek Kai Havertz what's up with like central attacking midfielders just getting benched by man Prem- you gotta tell Prem- me about Donny van de Beek I was mad that <laughs> man you got him and you freaking benched him and then meanwhile Kai Havertz I think it's just a a collateral just there's too much in his position luxury playing pick. Chelsea. He's literally a luxury pick and he's getting a luxury seat on the bench because of it. <laughs> so I don't I, I don't know. I think the luxury that transfer of Kai Havertz so far is the flop of the season in terms of overspending. But I don't consider either of them to be like the flop of the season in terms of like performance, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I don't think they they were they were brought in and be like, oh, like they were completely not who we thought. Well, turn well, Warner a little bit, but I still think there's definitely another player that I'd be thinking. Like, I remember last year it was like Keppa, but like this year it's definitely like those who are not make funnable of enough. If yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it, it's like an uh, interesting question to put out there because Werner has struggled at times and stuff, but like you said, he's deleting a sister. Uh, for Chelsea and such but yeah it was a weird one-off game for both of these clubs and uh, I guess moving on to the Leicester City game Man City beat Leicester 2-0 and what was supposed to be a big matchup but Leicester who are struggling with injuries 
Um, it's kind of didn't show up. And Aguero started for a city, uh, you know, a city I think have a 14 point lead on top of the table, but they are running away with the title like they always have. But now it brings up the question will Brendan Rogers and Leicester ruin their chances to get top four again? Because now it's a uh, it's squeaky bum time. It's no longer you can just kind of mess around. Like if you lose and lose points, like there, you could potentially not make it back in the top four if you keep screwing around. As I always say, under Brandon Rogers, there's that last bit of the season, the very <laughs> end. They always regress. And if you look at the Premier League table last season, at this point, Leicester at the exact same point. They had almost the same amount of points, and eight games remaining. They did not make top four. They dropped into the Europa League spots. <laughs> and right now, there are a lot of injuries still on this team. Like James Madison didn't even start against Man yeah. City. So, like, these are key players that are just not starting. And then, like, Wilfred and Didi, one of their key center, center defensive mids, had a terrible game. It was just a lot of just messiness just throughout this game. It just didn't. I mean, it is Man City. I will say that. Like, Man City this season has been a, like a huge other tier from everyone else so far but I mean Leicester they just didn't really look like they're really going to trouble that Man City defense and I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Rogers team just you know don't make it into that top four they just slip out pressure's but, on I them mean, now pressure is on them so I mean it's it's up to them to prove not only me but everyone else wrong that they can finally get Champions League but mm-hmm. you know it's it's in their own hands. Their destiny is literally in their own hands. They can just... Just like last they just season. do their job. Yeah. If all they do is do their job and then they'll get Champions League. They don't have to rely on anyone else dropping points or anything like that. It's just all on them. But mm-hmm. historically, as we've seen, that's been enough to kick them out of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be really interesting. And one team that I would say is playing carefree with no pressure is a team that we did not expect to be in the top four right now. Currently, it is West Ham United, led by David Moyes, Declan Rice, and one, the only, Jesse Lingardino. He is on fire. He's been absolutely killing it since he joined West Ham on loan. I mean, the uh, the dancing, the dancing king. He is. Uh, he's lighting up the Premier League once again, and. I just have to say, I know I've said this before, it is so nice to see Jesse Lingard finally enjoying himself, playing good, um, playing well, assisting, scoring consistently. He's bringing back the 2018-2019 Jesse Lingard form that, uh, that, was so, that was so fun to see. And the one he brought into the World Cup, he was brought onto the England squad. He made the England squad just recently. There's a chance he could make the Euros with this form. So, man, it is, uh, it is nice to see West Ham kind of getting the best out of Jesse Lingard. And now I feel like the question is, is should United get him, bring him back or should, would it be best for Lingard just to go um, permanently to West Ham? And a part of me feels like since he is a United fan, like Manchester United person, like fan went to the Academy through and through. I don't know. I feel like a part of me is just like this extra bit of confidence he's gaining again. Like he finally found the joy of playing football again. I feel like he can bring that to United and kind of be an impact player for them. I, I don't think he's going to start consistently, but I think he can be an impact player off the off the bench. But um, I guess maybe one of those things is the the reason he's playing so well is because he's starting consistently, not coming off the bench. But um, it's always tough. Uh, I. I don't know. A part of me wants him back, but a part of me also knows that, you know, he is 29 going into 30. Um, you know, 
it's not very likely we're going to get like a ton of the best years out of Jesse Lingard at United. But man, it is nice to see him play really well for West Ham once again. The Pod Piper kind of making <laughs> sure the Dark Horse West Ham are the best team in London, which they currently are right yes. now. It's insane to say they're literally the best team and the Premier League table in London. Like mm-hmm. they're better than Chelsea. They're better than Tottenham, Arsenal, Crystal Palace. Like who would have thought that West Ham? Yeah, Fulham. <laughs> who would have thought West Ham of all teams would be in the top four? Like we called it as a joke a long time ago that maybe West Ham could get top four. I mean, I I kind of joke they could maybe even win the title, but at this point, top four is even crazy. But for me, I mean, if I was Jesse Lingard. It looks like he's having a lot of fun at yeah. West Ham. He's starting. He's like the main man. He's making like he was on fire like in this game against Wolves. It made Wolves look like a team that was fighting relegation. Like it just like West Ham were just dominant. And this kind of Lingard, I don't think would be there at Man U because he would have to take Bruno Fernandez's spot. Yeah, and that's like that's not happening. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> and also, if you come off the bench, like there goes all your momentum. It's just yeah. like you're just the bench player. Like only certain players can really come off the bench consistently and be good. Yeah. Like you, you know, gotta Chicharito. be like the super like Chicharito, like Divac Origi, right? Yeah, and I think as we also discussed once is like the average person. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, I'd ride the bench, sure. But I mean, these are professional players that want to get as much game time as they can, and like you know, this opportunity at West Ham gave Jesse Lingard a way back into the England squad. Even so, for me, I I feel like. Jesse Lingard, if he has the opportunity and if he can negotiate to Man U saying, hey, you know, I've been at Man U my whole life. And it's, you know, once you start working in real life, too, it's kind of crazy to think about. It's like, man, this guy's been at one place working for like this many years. That's crazy. Yeah. It's like You don't even stay in school for that <laughs> many yeah. years, even at one place, unless you go to like one academy that's like, you know, kindergarten through like senior year mm-hmm. but i mean most people even when you go to like schools it's like you're only there for like four years and then when you're at work these days for our generation you know you're not there for for life as our parents were and like historically were now you just kind of like jump ship every few years or so but for me lingard this could be it this could be his time to his his second career yeah like kind of jump where he just goes to west ham and bees hit like the main man there because you know man, everyone's doing so well sad. I, I love Jesse Lingard. He's my guy. But we'll finally get to see more of his TikTok dances. <laughs> like there will be way more plentiful Moonwalking at, at the Emirates. Yeah. Like he'll be doing that more so rather than off the bench. Yeah. And we might even get that chance to man you. So I still think you should do it. Yeah. That's my take, Jesse. If you're listening, <laughs> go to West Ham. This is very much like Matthew Stafford or the Rams, except like reverse. Mm-hmm. Except it's, 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 it's kind of like if he was the backup for the quarterback at the Rams and he decided to go to the Detroit Lions. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of reverse, but mm-hmm. I think it'll, it'll make sense for him. I think Jesse Lingard, you should do it. Just make that switch and just stay yeah. there. Yeah. London a, part of, cool. a part of me like definitely agrees with you. And I think if he does end up leaving permanently, I, I even though I say like it would be nice to have him back, I still think um, probably the best move for his career would probably be moving permanently to West Ham or whatever club he chooses. Um, but what whatever happens, I, I still think he's etched his name in kind of United legend legend led like I guess history books because of his winning um, goal in the FA Cup in 2015-16, where he just hit an absolute screamer in the back of the net against Crystal Palace and won uh, United the FA Cup in extra time, um, and you know basically stopping us from going to penalty shootout against Crystal Palace. So to me, he's um, that goal 
pretty much etched his name in like United history books. Um, he scored some wonderful goals against other clubs um, throughout his career there. So it'll definitely be pretty sad to see if uh, Lingard does go, but um, you know, it's probably just one of those things that, you know, it was just probably the right time for a change. And uh, you can see that his mood is a lot better. He's more happy. He's enjoying himself. So, you know, West Ham have a good squad. And I uh, I think Jesse Lingard does really perform well there. But um, I wanted to, I guess, it's not really on the topic right now in our outline, but I really wanted to point out Declan Rice. You know, I wasn't the biggest believer of Declan Rice going into this season or even last season. I know there were spurts where like, okay, Declan Rice looks like a legit player, but man, I'm starting to get convinced now that this guy is an actual legitimate, like legit CDM and maybe someone United should target because he is a wonderful passer of the ball, but he also has a lot of control of the game. I feel like he's not very um, erratic. I feel like he has a lot of control in terms of the position he plays and the uh, type of passes he can do. And, And not only that, him going forward, he's like a... He's really good going forward as a CDM. Um, he can absolutely hit some screamers, um, screamers for West Ham. He has a good passing ability. I know that one uh, game against Arsenal where he basically outran the entire Ar- Arsenal like defense and the Arsenal defenders, and he almost scored. So, Tyler, I I am a big believer of West uh, Declan Rice. I hope he goes to United. I hope he doesn't go back to Chelsea and you know teams up with Mason Mount, his buddy from the uh, Chelsea Youth Academy. But um, he's a, he's a real deal. West Ham have a real quality player there. It's kind of like that Wilfred Zaha situation where uh, he's way too expensive just to buy. Is like, oh yeah, like it'd be good to just add Declan Rice to the team. Like if you get Declan Rice, it's like, all right, that is the big money move of the summer. It's like that is the biggest move we'll make. And he's like, he has to be the impact player. Like he has to be. Like you're you're paying superstar money for him because he has an England, you know, nationality. Price tag. The price tag as well, just being in the same league in the Premier League, and also now for a top four rival. Yeah. Because West Ham are right now in the top four, and he's still relatively young. Like there's still more potential in him to be an even better player. And not only on top of that, isn't he the captain? Or Mark Noble's Mark the captain, Noble. but isn't he like in the running to potentially be a future captain too? So yeah. He's, he's he's made a name for himself in terms of being a really good quality player for West Ham. Mm-hmm. So all these things considered, West Ham would have to give up a lot if yeah. Declan Rice and maybe goes. Maybe United can be like, we'll give you Jesse Lingard and give us Declan Rice. <laughs> I mean, it could work, actually. It's like, here, it's right, a discount. We'll, <laughs> a little discount. You know, we'll take Rice. You can have Lingard. Here's an extra 50 million pounds. Something <laughs> like that. But. I remember, I remember when I was, uh, cause I, I swear those deals like barely happened in real life. I remember when I first got into, uh, career soccer mode. and European football, I would play FIFA and career mode. I was like, dang, why don't, how come clubs don't just offer up? Like, I, cause I remember I was like, Gareth Bale, why don't we just offer like Juan Mata and like plus 30 mil and like that way cover the cost of like Gareth Bale. And then you come to United and then I was just like, yeah, that, never, that just doesn't work out like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cause also it was like the player would also have to be like. I don't want to go or yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> like FIFA, you, bet, you just disregard the player. It's just like, it's like you meet up with the managers. Like, all right, how much you want to give me? 78 million is like, no, I'll give you 65. No, let me give you a player plus 60. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you can, have I mean, one. that cheese kind of got a little better in the more recent FIFAs mm-hmm. where like they, they really devalue a player now when you put them in a trade. <laughs> so I guess it's more like real life. Cause you don't really see that many player swaps these days, mm-hmm. but I mean, for me, 
I still think like Declan Rice, he'd be a really good addition to that Man U side. But I still think it'd be kind of kind of the equivalent of putting all your eggs in one basket because that'd be a lot that'd of money. be a lot of money unless Man U all of a sudden have a lot of money out of nowhere. That they want to spend. Yeah, that they can spend even because you know as we said they also still have Donny Van de Beek. Yeah, it's like he. I mean, he's not a defensive midfielder, but like he's got to play somewhere eventually. Mm-hmm. And they got to make room for like a big move like that as well. And yeah. I still think they have some bigger issues like at center back and the right wing position still kind of up in the grabs or up up in the air. So I think, I mean, they could maybe just go all in for like this upcoming transfer window and then the next transfer window they can address the other sides but I mean I don't know Declan Rice is just maybe potentially might be just be too expensive for any team because right now it's a little overvalued to even get him because I think if any team were to get him right now it'd be at least 70 million pounds or it's something crazy like that that's yeah, a lot it's mm. a lot of money it's a lot of money but we'll see what happens West Ham are enjoying life right now under David Moyes Jesse Lingard balling out right now Declan Rice balling out the whole West Ham side balling out and they're in the top four but we want to quickly move it to our preview section um, a couple big games actually three couple big games this uh, this weekend I guess to start off we have um, Liverpool Aston Villa which is if you don't remember the reverse fixture Aston Villa slapped Liverpool what was it 7-2 yeah yeah the same weekend that <laughs> United got it. slapped 6-1 by Tottenham same day. Weekend. It was the same day, actually. That was not a good day. Yeah, for both of us. Mm-hmm. I, I think I cried. <laughs> but this, not this weekend. This yeah. weekend is going to be different. Um, but, but this one will be interesting. I think even though Liverpool did lose that Champions League game, I I think the momentum they have built up in the Premier League, I think they're going to be a little bit angry. So I'm going to go with a, a 2-1 win to avenge that 7-2 defeat from the reverse fixture. 2-1 Liverpool win. Mm. For me, you know, Aston Villa, they haven't really scored that many goals since Jack Grealish has been, you know, sidelined for injury. So I think this Aston Villa side is going to be a lot different. Look, they didn't really get into this game last weekend against Fulham until they started making some subs and Trezeguet got on and it kind of reversed, you know, the, the luck of the game because at one point Fulham were winning and Fulham scored from a very lucky kind of mistake from that Aston Villa defense. And, you know, Fulham kind of like folded on themselves because they're like, oh, we have we have a lead. <laughs> it's like, usually we don't have these. And then they kind of folded. And, you know, Aston Villa kind of took over from momentum. But with this Liverpool side, they ain't Fulham. I think Liverpool can get a 2-0 win from this kind of more n- nerfed Aston Villa side who's just been kind of declining since they made this huge early run in the Premier League. So I'm going to say 2 0. I have faith in Liverpool right now. Okay. At least against Aston Villa. Yeah, he's got that, he's got that mojo back, that, uh, that uh, Liverpool fandom right there um, <laughs> showing up. But now we got West Ham, Leicester, a uh, top four matchup, um, a team in, I guess, Surgency, which is a uh, West Ham United team and Leicester that is dealing with injuries and could potentially be on the uh, choke job of Brendan Rodgers, the train. Um, but this one will be really interesting. I definitely think it will be a really good game, but I'm going to have to roll with West Ham picking up a, uh, a uh, I would say, 1-0 win over Leicester. I think they I think they can do it. They're playing well. They have their players fit. Leicester City, 
struggling to have players fit. And there's also the conundrum of Brendan Rodgers could be uh, under pressure right now. This is one of the most interesting games of the season, in my opinion, because it's third versus fourth. And who would have thought these two would be third and fourth? (laughs) And West Ham looked really good against Wolves. But I mean, they conceded two goals ultimately, just out of the blue random. Leicester, you know, bombed against Man City after the break. So it's it's kind of hard to say. I still think West Ham will win as well. I'm still I'm just gonna full force, you know, go with my prediction that Brendan Rogers' side will always just decline at the very end of the season, just because it's been historically correct and I've witnessed it myself with Liverpool and I cried. But I think West Ham being this dark horse as well, just having this weird momentum, just, you know, David Moyes mojo going on at West Ham of Jesse Lingard, everything just going right. I think West Ham's got it. And I think it'll be a a closer one than we expect. I think it'll be a 2-1 to West Ham. I got 1-0. He's got 2-1. And finally, we got the big big matchup of the weekend, Tottenham versus Manchester United. Jose Mourinho against his former club. Um, Obviously, I just mentioned that the last time these two met in the Premier League, Tottenham smacked them 6-1, but things are a lot more different. I feel like now United are the team with a lot more momentum. Tottenham are the team on downfall with just a ton of problems. And because of that, I think think Ole is definitely going to play into the fact that, hey, um, we got embarrassed last time we played this team. And I know Mourinho is the ultimate mastermind when it comes to, you know, setting out a tactic and, you know, sticking with it for a specific game. But I feel like right now this team is on uh, free fall and I'm going to go 3-1 Manchester United beating Tottenham. I think it's going to be a dominant Manchester United display. And I think they're going to want to have a little bit of payback against a team that uh, humiliated them earlier in the season. Hmm. 3-1 to Man U. Yeah. I know we haven't talked about Tottenham in this episode and we're kind of kind of saving it for next week because I know Tottenham, they pooped the bed they, against Newcastle last week with a 2-2 draw against a Newcastle side that's trying to get relegated at this point. Very and, bad Newcastle side. Yeah, terrible Newcastle side. And, you know, I, I get the weekly text from Sung Min, our, our weekly listener who is the biggest Tottenham fan ever apparently. But also the biggest complainer because it's just like I literally just got a text saying Spurs and I instantly <laughs> knew what happened. So, I mean, this top, this result, I remember last year or the reverse fixture, you know, Astonville, Liverpool it was a rough day for them. And then Man U Tottenham was a rough day for Yush. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of ironic that it was happening this weekend. But yeah, they're, they're playing the same. Team. They're playing the yeah. same picture again. <laughs> That's funny. I think it'll it'll be a lot different this time for both teams that kind of suffered these big losses. Tottenham are definitely on the decline. Kane is their one hope. I feel like right now, Sun has not been the same since the very beginning of the season, and Kane's kind of the only player kind of doing really well. He's one of the top players in the in the whole of Europe right now because yeah. of in in terms of goals and assists combined, he mm-hmm. might be the first player. I think for maybe 20 years or something where he's going to be potentially in the race for golden boot and also whatever the most assists is <laughs> the trophy for that yeah. for the Premier League season. So he's been on another level, but it's just the rest of the team's just kind of been letting him down. And I don't know if that's a Mourinho issue or it's a, definitely a definitely part of a Mourinho issue. I mean, From Mourinho's a, definitely putting on the players as he usually does, yeah. but that's, That'll be next week's episode because like, we're <laughs> definitely going to talk about it after Tottenham lose to Man U. And I'm going to say Man U win yeah. this game. 
I, I want to say 2-1, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was 3-1 too because they conceded two to Newcastle of all players, <laughs> they conceded, of all teams. They conceded three goals against a team that's manager went to prison a couple of days before the <laughs> match in the Europa League. So That's true. So I, I wouldn't... The reason why I'm hesitant is because, you know, Jose Mourinho, as you know, Yash, likes to park the bus against mm. big opposition. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to go... If Tottenham tries to play for the 1-0... But if man, you get the first goal, then the bus there's a big hole in that bus now. Just yeah, like the a bus rocket, collapse. Just, yeah, the bus collapse. Like you just shoot like a laser straight through it. <laughs> now it's just the floodgates will open. And I think if man, you get that first goal, I I could see a three one as well. So I'll I'll, yeah. I'll hop on your three one train, Yush. But all I know Let's is go. that Tottenham are not winning this game. Let's go. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Both predicting 3-1 Manchester United wins. So I'm hoping it comes true because United and Liverpool both need that revenge uh, revenge game to make up for those bad losses from earlier in the season against both of these same teams. But um, yeah, I'm going 3-1, going 3-1 uh, Manchester United win there. But uh, that kind of wraps up uh, episode 112 for us. I know, as we always say, please make sure to rate, comment, subscribe. You can subscribe to us on YouTube at The Premier Pod, um, where you can catch the video versions of this podcast. We're also, um, if you want to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, that's also great. Um, but like we always say, if uh, if you don't, that's totally fine. If you want to share this podcast with one of your friends, that's definitely uh, more than welcome. Uh, we definitely do appreciate all the support that we get. You can also follow us on our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at the at the Premier Pod. Sorry, I couldn't get the words out of my mouth there. Um, at the Premier Pod, um, you can uh, hit us up with the DMs or any questions you have or any um, topics you would like us to talk about in the future. Um, but as we always say, thank you guys so much for the support. And that kind of wraps up uh, episode season three, episode one twelve for us. Thank you guys so much. Peace. Peace. <laughs>